you know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. Mm. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Forever35. Hello. 
Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast all about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. I'm Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. No, we're not, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And before we kick into the show, a friendly reminder that you can visit our website, Forever 35 Podcast, where links to everything we talk about here on the show. Our Twitter is Forever35Pod, and our Instagram is Forever35Podcast. You can join the Forever 35 Facebook group where the password is serums. Shop our favorite prods at shopmy.us slash forever35. We've got the Forever 35 newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. And if you have something to say to us, we want to hear it. Leave us a voicemail or send us a text message at 781-5910-390. Or you can always email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. Indeed, you can. Uh, I also just want to remind everyone that we are in the early stages of planning a big Forever 35 trip. I'm trying. I can't wait. I really hope Um, we do this. And we are doing this in partnership with a very cool company called Trova Trip. And as part of that, we are running a survey to figure out where we should go, what we should do, how long we should go for, how much this should cost, whether Kate should do a yoga class. I mean, what if I did a butt care workshop? I mean, look, anything is on the table. We can do it. I mean, look, let's dream big, (laughs) dream wide, dream far. Indeed. Um, So we have a link to that in the show notes. The URL is... um, if anyone wants the URL, it is my.trovatrip.com slash public slash L slash survey slash forever 35 dash podcast. So easier to just click on it from the show notes. Um, and then also don't forget our ba- about our balance bound collab. I mean, the cutest collab want- in all the world, <sighs> the cutest collab in all the in in all the world that is reminding me to check our instagram to see if people have tagged us in any more of their cute merch i love when people tag us please reshare yes oh oh my gosh oh my gosh this person put a reframe the narrative sticker on their water bottle Oh, wouldn't you love to just like see them walking by the street and be like, hey, it's me. Yes. So cute. So you can shop that at balancebound.co uh, slash shop slash forever 35. And we will also link to that in the show notes. But yeah, you're gonna you're gonna want some of this merch. It's soups cute. Dory doesn't say soups cute for just anything. I really don't. I mean, I'm a discerning consumer. Yeah. You don't throw the soups around for just regular old merch. (laughs) Uh, No, it's, it's really, it's really, really cute. Uh, Dory, I wanted to share with you that after much talk about how I dream of tapping into my Italian heritage, Anthony and I went and took an Italian cooking class this weekend and it was so wonderful and so Aww. i don't want to say like therapeutic but just a joyful experience I'm it was so, so much glad fun to hear that 
Um, we, can you tell us some highlights and like, what did you learn how to cook? Okay. So we took a class at Italy here in Los Angeles with Chef Fabio. He was Italian. And it was Fabio. I know. Look, and he, look, I mean, I think all Italians are charming and adorable. So I was, of course, like swoon. Uh, but we took a class on like three, the three kind of most traditional basic Roman sauces. So we did cacio e pepe, which is just a cheese. Uh, uh, what did we do? What was the other? Carbonara. And then I'm going to, I'm not going to say it right because look, I don't speak Italian, but Amatra, Amatriciana which is um, guanciale and tomato sauce, basically. And one of the most, it was so good. Everything was so delicious. We had wine pairings throughout, which was very fun. And one of the most kind of illuminating things for me was how simple these sauces are. Like I've always kind of made variations of these, but they really focused on like cacio e pepe is literally just the cheese and the pasta water. There's no butter. There's no cream. I, I was shocked because mm. I've always made this with like oil and butter. Like I just kind of throw it together. So it was really, really, really fun. I would definitely make these recipes again. Um, I just had, it was fun to do it with Anthony. And I will also say like one kind of fun LOL Los Angeles part of it was that it was uh, Anthony and me, another couple, a family of three people. And then dare I say, a list an A-list celebrity who was there on their own to learn how to cook. I love that so much. And they were they were wonderful and sweet. We had like all kind of paired up and worked together and it was really fun. And um, I'm not going to say who the celebrity like, is. And they were just like chill and like down to earth. So and, like, nice. They were just like, I don't know how to cook. So I'm here to learn. And I was, oh I was, gosh. and I, of course, being a person who, you know, like I kind of know who, I wouldn't know if like a star of, Vanderpump rules walked in. Like I don't I wouldn't I be able to identify Chriselle okay. from Selling Sunset. Okay. I know I that's would, a except person. She, she looks a lot different now. But anyway, go on. <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> but I, you know, so I'm not like the celebrity identifier, but this person was pretty, you know, recognizable and they were very kind. And that it's always like, you know, dorky fun in LA when you're like, ooh. Jay Leno just drove by. Like, it's always kind of fun, you know, as long as you give those people their privacy and their space. I did not dare breathe a word of me being like, I know who you are. Hi, love your work. I don't roll. I don't roll uh, that way. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm painfully I'm so shy. Glad, so. Yeah. I'm so glad that you guys got to do this. It was really, really fun. It was fun to do together. It was fun. I felt like I really learned. Um, which was really exciting. I would definitely want to take a pasta making class because I really don't have that down as I told the chef. And he was like, really? I think meaning like, it's so easy. And I was like, yes, I don't. For someone who's an Italian file, Italiophile? What's it called when you're kind of into? Italophile? Italophile. Yeah. For someone who's, you know, (sighs) dreaming of Italy, I don't know how to make my own pasta. Not well. So that that's going to be my next class. If you're interested in taking a pasta making class story, just throwing that out there. I might be actually. Really? I love, yeah, there is, I love homemade pasta. It is so it's, delicious. It's so delicious. It's so much better. It's so good. It, yeah. It is one of those things where you're like, this is, it is like 
noticeably better than mm-hmm. regular pasta. Yep. I mean, look, I hardly ever make it. Even, you know, even the more expensive, like fresh pasta you get at the grocery store that's like in the refrigerated case. You know what I'm talking about? I do. It's delish. That that tastes better than dry pasta. I mean, dry pasta is delicious too, but when you have that fresh pasta, it's like, mm. oh yeah, baby. It's so freaking good. <sighs> it's so good. So yeah, I would okay. maybe I would be into that, Kate Spencer. I mean, pasta making is also a possibility for a potential activity on a potential Forever 35 trip. I'm just going to say that. I'm not going to handle it if we go on a Forever 35 trip to Italy. I'm going to be the most annoying person on the trip oh if we God. were in Italy. I would be so annoying. That would be, you s- wouldn't, it would be so I would fun. be the person who like acts, thinks they know it all, but doesn't actually really know anything. That would be my persona on that trip. No, you and know, you know it what would be amazing if you, if you started doing like Italian on Duolingo and you started like loudly <laughs> saying things in Italian, but like with a really big American accent, like you were that's, that American tourist. That is basically what I was like when I did have the wonderful opportunity of going to Italy about five years ago. I was like, oh, prego. Like I just am insufferable. <laughs> I am, I am one quarter Italian and I lean into it. It's not that you know, much, I did- but I'll take it. You know that I did take, I took Italian for a year in grad school. I took like an intensive Italian class. And do you still retain any of it? Mm, not a ton. A little bit, that's, but that's not funny. a ton. It'll, it'll come back on this trip that we're going to maybe take. Totally. <laughs> well, I look for That would be really uh, fun to actually do. So I will, I will follow up with you on that. Uh, what's what's going on in your neck of the woods, as I believe they say well, on the Today Show? <laughs> well, I just wanted to share a funny anecdote. Um, so my son today, you know, Henry's three. And this morning he and his nanny went to this uh, children's museum in Los Angeles. And... I guess they have they have this little display with like an old rotary phone and then a little um, speech bubble above it painted on the wall that says "Call on me," like very cute. And our nanny sent me this text, and she said, "I said, look, a phone." He was right next to it and spun a few times and said, "Where?" Oh, Dory. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, how would he know?" What a rotary phone is. It looks nothing like phones today. It looks nothing like a phone. Nothing like a phone. And she sent this picture of him like inspecting it, like really looking at it closely. Like, what (laughs) is this this ancient tool? (laughs) (sighs) It's so weird. It gave me a chuckle. It's so weird that our past is like, is old. You know, like whenever you're like, whenever I'm listening to the radio, it's like oldies from the 2000s. And it, I just shudder because <laughs> I still, you know, I think you never feel like your thing is now the old thing or the outdated thing or the yes ancient. Yes. And it also feels so recent. It feels like it was just, I don't know, yesterday. I know. Uh, anyway, what else are you up to? Anything new going on over there? As we shift seasons? 
Well, Kate, um, you know, Jewish holidays, like the, the Jewish New Year coming up in about a month. Really right around the corner. Um, really right around the old corner. And, you know, I've I've discussed on the pod how I do really feel like, to me, September really does feel like the start of the of a new year, like mm. both because of the Jewish New Year, but also because of like back to school and like just feels like there's a lot of like new beginnings in September. Sure. So I do feel like it's often a time for me to kind of like take stock. And so I'm thinking about fall cleaning. Like I know people often talk about spring cleaning, but I'm thinking about fall cleaning. Is there one area of the home that you're thinking about? Because it's it's funny you mentioned this. I've recently started doing this. My, our house is truly a disaster. And I did a little bit of this just yesterday. So I'm curious, where where are you kind of starting off in this journey? Well, selfishly, I think I'm, I want to start in my office. That's not selfish. I did recently, I did like an initial cleaning off of my desk. I still have mm. a ways to go, but like I did it, like there were just like piles. Like I had no idea what was under. I like found my, <laughs> I said to my piano teacher a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I somehow lost my metronome, which is weird because like it never like goes anywhere. But then I found, it was buried in my desk. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's like that kind of vibe. Um, I also have all these like bags of like Henry's old clothes that I'm like, am I selling these? Am I donating them? Like, what am I doing with, (laughs) with this stuff? You know what I mean? And I need to, I need to figure that out, make a decision. There's also like a pile of his old toys that I just, I need to just get out of the house, but he keeps like finding and being like, I still play with this. And I'm like, this is for literal six months olds. Like you do not play with this, but he does. <laughs> and like, but I know. I mean, I know and they. Even, my kids hold on to things like that all the time. Yeah, and like sometimes it is cute to see him like rediscover an old toy, and like he definitely plays with it differently than he used to, and blah blah blah. But like I'm also like, come on, dude. Like you, you, you don't, you don't need these like soft blocks. <laughs> Deal with it. You know Henry. what I mean. Yeah. But it's also like on me for it's also yeah, it's also on me for not like getting rid of this stuff in a more timely fashion. We also have to do it in like the dead of night when they're not around. Oh, totally. Yes. Yes. Well, I recently did a bit of a shower reorganization and I had a lot of empties in the shower or a lot of like almost empties that I hold on to because Mm. they're not empty. You know the Mm -hmm. almost empty? The almost empty can live in your world for years. Like, cause you're just like, well, there's a drop left. I'll just keep holding on. And then all of a sudden five years go by and you're like, oh, you still uh, have residence in my shower. So I have done a big dig through of all those kind of like moldy containers with still with a little bit of stuff in them. And I'm getting rid of them. It's very hard for me to get rid of stuff that still has a little bit of product in there. So I'm trying to use what I can. You are reminding me that I need, there's like a big bottle of conditioner in my 
shower that has like a literal drop left that I I need to just <laughs> right. But you're saving the drop. Like the there's nothing wrong with the frugality behind it. Just have to but do I it. But I can't even like get it. I can't even like get it out. I know. I had Dory. I had this bottle of empty face wash. I think I've already mentioned this. This Osea face wash that I love. And I can't get any more out, even with a tiny spatula Ugh. as per recommended. But I just held on to it like maybe I could still, you know, like that kind of wistful, like maybe, maybe you're in there. Hmm. Well, let's keep at it. Let's do a little bit of like a fall dig through. Is it assumed that when we do this sort of like dig through of material objects that we will also be excavating our own attachments and emotions surrounding these objects and therefore come to a deeper understanding of ourselves? What? What did I just say? Wow. I think yes. I mean, truly, like, shouldn't we all be on this journey? Aren't we all like, ultimately, isn't that what we want to try to dig into and learn about ourselves? Yes. I mean, or you can just toss the conditioner bottle. But no, but that's I do think it fun. helps. I think it helps to do a little bit of ex- emotional exploring as we do these things. Totally. Well, <sighs> I'd love to hear how people are kind of approaching fall because even though it's, you know, what, the m- end of August. Oh, God, it's right around the corner. Oh, just saying the it end is. of August. Oh, no. Yeah, you know, and I think about this. I, I'm like forced to think about this a lot because Henry is obsessed with, um, in a, like, I feel like a corollary to his being obsessed with numbers is he's also obsessed with, like, the calendar sure. and seasons and, like, asking, like, when is it going to be fall? And so I'm always being, like, September 21st. And now it's, like, coming up. <laughs> So here it is, dude. Here it is. Here it is. (sighs) I always have a hard time transitioning to fall. So I'll work on that this year. Well, we had a really, really great conversation with our guest today, Christine Ha. Um, It was so fun to talk to her. Actually, how appropriate that I speak of my cooking class when we have an actual James Beard nominated chef on the show today. Totally. So appropriate. Uh, Christine was the first blind contestant on MasterChef and she won the show's third season. She won it all. She's also a renowned restaurateur, entrepreneur, and author. She's the proud restaurant owner of two establishments based in Houston, The Blind Goat, and Sin Chow. And she was born an only child in Los Angeles to parents who emigrated from Saigon following the Vietnam War. In 2003, at 23 years old, she was diagnosed with neuromyelitis optica spectrum disorder, which is known as NMOSD, an unpredictable autoimmune disease caused by inflammation in the central nervous system. And she began losing her vision by 2007. She was almost completely blind. She's also authored a New York Times bestselling cookbook, recipes from my home kitchen. I mean, look, no big deal. She's done TEDx talks. Most importantly, she's just a funny and interesting and compelling person to talk to. 
And she tells us what to buy for our kitchens. Like she gives us, oh, you know what? One of the tools she bought, I immediately went out and ordered and it's already arrived. That's how ahead of the game I am. You're going to want to, yeah, you're going to want to get this tool. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to try to emulate everything Christine told us to do. All right. Well, Kate, let's take a little break. And when we come back, we will be talking to Christine. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say... Goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what? I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like, truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings, there's nights out, it's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Superpower Short. 
The superpower short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite honey love piece. Let me, let me just tell you why. Yeah. Get into it. Do you want to tell me why? No, no. I was just (laughs) going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes. That's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the US and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So, This is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with glorious dynam it can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio it can be learning to cook indian food or designing a space that you love masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors so whether you want to master like negotiation with chris voss or think like a boss with martha stewart or maybe capture your vision through photography with petra collins Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35.
Well, Christine, we are so excited to have you on Forever 35. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is such a treat. Um, I guess the only thing that would make it better is if we could actually be eating some of your food right now. But alas, <laughs> no. that but will have to wait and until food is good. Then we would be all silent. There'd be no interview. <laughs> right. That's true. That's Just true. Be chomping yeah, I guess noises. eating on a podcast is not. Yeah, it's not <laughs> ideal. But we'll have to. Kate, I feel like we will need to make a pilgrimage to Houston. Oh, yes. Like eat at Christine's restaurants. In preparing for this interview, I was watching old master chef videos and I was like, it's almost lunchtime and everything you make looks so good, Christine. Like just delicious. <laughs> Thank you. Also, everybody, you know, in the old clips, you have like Gordon Ramsay ran like raving about it. So it really just added to the experience of wanting to eat everything that you cook. So <laughs> I'm with you, Dory. I would love to go uh, to Houston. Okay, let's do it. Okay, deal. Um, Christine, we like to start off our interviews by asking our guests about a self-care practice that they have. So is there something that you do for yourself that you would consider self-care? Yes. I didn't think self-care was important until I was older. And part of it, I think, is just uh, being more mature and having the financial freedom to think more about things that you once did not think was a necessity but uh, mm. so now I things like getting a full body massage or taking the time out to un unplug, like turning off my the ringer on my phone, the notifications on my phone, dedicating like a certain time um, when I felt like I've had a full work day and I just want to kind of disconnect or unplug and take time out to spend with my husband or with my dog or with my friends, uh, perhaps. Um, having a glass of wine or just eating some good food. I think self-care is not only um, very much a physical thing, but also very much emotional and mental. And that doesn't always mean, you know, people think of self-care mm. as perhaps going to yoga or making sure that you um, meditate. But I think also it's, it's about taking care of your emotional desires as well. And sometimes that means having a piece of cake and that makes you happy and that's okay. So I'm always uh, a firm believer in everything in moderation. So for me, personally, self-care means taking the time out to get my massages so that my muscles aren't so tense when I'm working uh, a lot and uh, learning to be okay with disconnecting and unplugging certain times of the day mm -hmm. or of the week to dedicate myself to what the things that you know matter most to us, our families, our pets, our friends. Was that a learned practice for you? Because it is, it can be really hard to turn off in that way, even if it's just like turning off the actual notifications or making ourselves just kind of sit in quiet. Did you, did you kind of have to almost train yourself to do that? Or was it something that really just happened organically out of necessity? I would say it was a little bit of both, but probably more of a trained thing. Mm -hmm. I think one being, a woman and also being an Asian American woman, uh, growing up in that sort of, uh, family household with those certain dynamics, we're always taught to keep doing, 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 and silently, like always obeying and always saying yes. And then holding in all of our negativity or our fatigue. So we're, I feel like, especially yes, as a woman, we're constantly told that we should say yes and just kind of suck it up and always, always do things 
for our families, for our children, our spouses, our bosses, our colleagues, our friends, our neighbors. And I think it took me a long time. And I would say I'm still not great, perfect at it. it I think it's a lifelong journey to get to that point. But mm. I feel like there have been times when I've been close to burnout. And I realize that I need and everyone operates in a different way. I think, you know, some people, their threshold is higher than others. And I think at a certain point, I was like, I, I cannot do everything all the time. And I'm, I'm not that, that superhero that maybe a lot of people think I am. And it was hard, I think, to step back at first, because we often pride ourselves in how much we can get done or how much we're accomplishing. And so much of our lives and what we think is, uh, uh, like the accomplishments in our lives are born of the productivity. I think that we, that comes out of it. And I think it's, it's changing that mindset and realizing that slowing down is also something very uh, courageous and worthy. Uh, and so I always encourage my staff too that yes, you work hard, but I think, you know, play hard or rest hard or whatever it is also, because it is so important to take care of yourself so that you don't burn out. You don't feel uh, tired to keep, to be motivated and to keep doing your work because if you don't take care of yourself, then there's no way you can take care of other people. And so it really, it, it was really a many, many years uh, before I could get to this point, I think where I'm okay with stepping back. And I had to teach myself too, that the world is not going to end if I don't answer my every single Ugh. phone call or every single text at that immediate moment. Mm. And that's, yep. that's mm -hmm. hard to, to change your mindset on. Oh, that's such a hard one. I think the, the culture of the way in which we receive messages now makes us feel like if we don't answer it immediately, we're not being respectful. Or I mean, it's it's a real to not just click that response so fast is a real learned behavior, I mm -hmm. found. It also seems like burnout is an especially prevalent issue in the world of restaurants, kitchens chefs. I mean, it's such an intense career. Um, and so to model that, not just for yourself, but for your employees is, I think, really um, impressive. Uh, it, it's definitely not easy. And and I, I always tell my staff too, that I'm myself, I'm not perfect. So sometimes I do feel like I overwork myself and I don't show it. Mm. But I also make sure that I always tell them and I try to lead by example. And I also respect their days off. Like if it's their day off, of course, like there may mm -hmm. still be messages going out on the group chat or whatever, but I try not to feel, make everything feel urgent and like maybe text my managers on the day that they're off because I want them also to be able to unplug and feel refreshed when they return to work the next day or two days after that. So it's really, I think, leading by example and prioritizing that self-care and taking time off, whether it be a day or two or three a week or taking that one or two week vacation a year. Like it's, I think as Americans and in a lot, in many industrial uh, advanced countries in the world, I think we always value work as being the top priority at the expense of our health and other things in our lives. So I think it's hard to break that habit, but it starts with, I think every small thing. So like being a leader or being a boss or being an owner of a company, you lead by example and you hope that your staff will also follow suit and respect um, other people's days off and, and their boundaries. 
That seems, I mean, that seems like something that's really hard to do in any work environment, but in a restaurant work environment seems especially challenging. Um, so I'm glad that you seem to be kind of figuring out how to make that work for you and your staff. Um, I'd love to just kind of talk about your path to master chef owning these restaurants. I I know that you were getting an MFA, right? When you went on master chef. Um, That's right. So, you know, so how did that happen? Was cooking you had all was cooking something that you had just always done as a hobby or were you had you thought about becoming a professional chef? How, How did how did all this come about? Well, that's an interesting story. I actually grew up a very picky eater, not interested in cooking at all. Uh, My parents were Vietnamese immigrants, so I ate a lot of really good home-cooked Vietnamese traditional foods at home growing up. And my mom passed away when I was a teenager and had never taught me how to cook a single dish, never left any recipes behind. So it wasn't until I went off to my undergraduate studies to college uh, after moving out of the dorms, the, for my after my first year, I had a small apartment and a kitchen, and I didn't have the dorm cafeteria to rely upon anymore. So I figured I had to teach myself how to cook in order to eat. So I realized at that point that I did miss the home cooked meals that my mom used to cook when she was alive. So I decided to just buy some Vietnamese cookbooks and read the recipes and just teach myself. And the more I cooked, of course, there were a lot of bad dishes that went into the trash at the beginning, as with many uh, trial and error, or just learning a new hobby or trying to start something new. It tends to be rough at the beginning. But after many tries, I remember cooking something that was actually edible and delicious. Uh, It was a very simple dish. It's a ginger braised Vietnamese chicken. I chose it because after botching so many dishes, it was the recipe in the cookbook that had the shortest list of ingredients and the least amount of steps. (laughs) So I decided to cook that one and that one actually turned out good. And I remember there were no leftovers. There was nothing that went into the trash. My friends ate it. And at that time, I still had vision. And I remember looking around the table in my apartment and seeing everyone's happy faces and everyone was, you know, full and satiated. And it made me happy to be able to have made something that fed them and made them happy and satisfied. And so that was kind of what sparked my initial interest in cooking. And I just kept at it, started learning about different cuisines, different ingredients, different cooking techniques, just kept cooking through college. And then it was coincidentally around this same time that I began losing my vision. Uh, And at first it was, I thought it was my contact lens. And then eventually one thing led to another and I was told that it was something neurological. And it turned out that my optic nerve was inflamed. And gradually throughout my 20s, as I was teaching myself to cook more and more and learning uh, to be a better and better cook, I started losing my vision. So I would have to teach myself again over and over the things that I'd already known how to do with sight, but I had to try it again with less and less vision. And so it was during this time that, you know, I had already graduated college. I was experiencing the vision loss. I was at a corporate job because my undergraduate degree was in business. And uh, I had to leave my job at the time because I was just having all these health issues. Not only was my vision giving out, but the the condition that I was diagnosed with called neuromyelitis optica 
spectrum disorder or NMOSD. Uh, it also caused a lot of spinal inflammation. So I was going through bouts of paralysis as well. So I had to leave my corporate job and then go through a long road of recovery that took many months and then uh, almost a year, I believe. And then my vision never returned uh, to the way it was before. So at that point, I had to figure out what my next step would be or career move or what my purpose in life was. So I did a complete career change and decided to go back to school for a master's in creative writing. And that happened because I've always been an avid reader. I love reading novels and stories. And and when I was going through all of this vision loss and spinal cord inflammation, what helped me through it uh, was listening to audiobooks because I couldn't do anything else. Like mm. there was a point when I, you know, couldn't see anything and I couldn't move because I became paralyzed from the neck down temporarily. So I was just laid up in bed and, you know, obviously my eyes weren't working, so I couldn't read a book. So all I did was listen to audiobooks and that helped me escape temporarily from the tough times that I was going through. And so once I got better and I recovered from the spinal cord inflammation, I was able to type on a keyboard again. I started writing essays, diary entries, short stories. And then that's when I decided to just completely do something different and go to school for something creative. And it wasn't until my last semester that when I was really supposed to be writing my thesis and then uh, subsequently defending it, uh, I got the opportunity to audition for MasterChef. And that was at the encouragement of my friends and my family uh, to audition for this show that they all knew about. Um, I didn't watch much TV because I was busy in school. And um, they just, you know, my friends and my family said, you're a good cook. Uh, people need to know how someone who's visually impaired can cook because I don't think a lot of people can believe it. And for me, I thought it was strange because I was like, you know, I'm, I'm just me, myself, I've been able to figure it out. And I didn't, I couldn't really fathom the idea that I would be such an interesting story or let people would be curious to know how someone with a vision impairment can cook. So I decided to just go audition for the show, thinking that I would come back with some good stories to write about in school, not thinking that I would get that far. Um, mm. But I just went really for the experience and just to see what it's like to film in LA in, on a TV show and then hopefully come home and write a short humor essay or a story about it. And then the rest was history because I ended up getting pretty far and then winning that season. And that's what launched the culinary side of my career. When you When you talk about finding your purpose, did you ever think it would be expressed in this way with with food and sharing and sharing food with community? No, it's not something I realize until I look in hindsight. And I think oftentimes that's how many of us realize when we look back and connect the dots that we think, oh, of course our lives would have to unfold in this way. But going through all of that at the time, I was just really a confused person, not sure uh, what my what value I would bring to society. Um, it was really tough because I knew I was a smart person. Um, I knew that I was a hard worker, but I felt like I was floundering in my 20s dealing with the, this autoimmune condition that I was diagnosed with, not really sure how that would play out or how I would be able to work again or contribute to society or to my community. So I, I didn't really think until looking back now and then thinking, oh, cooking 
which was a hobby, reading and writing, which were hobbies, can actually be a career and a, a very rewarding one at that. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about how you have adapted your kitchens. Um, can you explain some of the changes that you've made and you know how they help you? And um, yeah, that'll be that'll be great. Sure. Uh, if you take a look at my kitchen, it actually, I think at first glance, it looks like any other kitchen uh, is just very tidy, very organized that I've always been I've always been extremely organized. One of my best friends, she I remember one of the jokes she said was like, it's almost like you were meant to lose your vision because you're so organized. Like, if anyone else lost their vision, they would be so lost. And I was like, that is so true. Because ever since middle school, I've always organized my closet in a very meticulous order where everything was rainbow colored. So all of the black short sleeve shirts were in one place and then followed by like red, orange, yellow. And and my kitchen is pretty much the same way. I have my knives hanging on a magnetic rack from like the knives I use the most, the chef's knife to like the utility knife to the paring knife and then to the bread knife. Um, my spice drawer is all um, alphabetized. Uh, the spices are all, you know, in ABC order. Um, everything has a place in the kitchen. So it just looks like a very neat kitchen. But if you look closer, there are small adaptations that I've made. So for example, um, there are these things called raised bump dots or these tactile stickers that my husband had affixed on certain appliances with the flat screen touch panel. Um, like, yeah, all those, um, all those modern appliances that have like those flat screens, those are really yes. difficult for visually impaired people to use. Cause obviously we can't see and we can't feel the tactile button to count like, okay, mm. where is, you know, where is the, the on off button? Where's the start button, the stop button. So he's marked off some of uh, the buttons on our appliances with these raised bump dot stickers and uh, also the stove knobs. We have a gas stove. And so uh, he'll, or on the oven, like the degrees, he'll mark like the, the bump dot stickers on 350 degrees. And then I would line up the knob um, to where the bump dot is on the oven or the stove. So those sorts of small adaptations, I think, are what makes the kitchen at our house um, slightly different from maybe the average household kitchen. But other than that, it, it, you know, I don't make that many adaptations in my home kitchen. In the restaurant, actually, that's the kitchen is not adapted at all. So usually people always wonder, am I like on the hotline or, you know, on the pass all the time, like in the kitchen at the restaurants? And I mean, to be truthful, like I own these restaurants. I am the executive chef. I've developed the menus. Uh, when we first open a restaurant, I am in there wearing all sorts of hats, washing the dishes, doing the prep, showing people mm -hmm. how to plate things. Um, but what now that my both of my restaurants have been open for a while, they're running much more smoothly. So I have a great team management team that runs the restaurants. And so now my job is really to develop the menu and keep the marketing going and the branding going. So when I come up with new dishes on the menu, I usually test the dishes at home with my husband where it's quiet, ah. it's not busy, you know, we're not trying to run service. I'm able to kind of be like a mad scientist in the home kitchen. And then once we develop a, a dish that we're satisfied with at home, I write down the recipe because I have experience as a cookbook writer or a cookbook author to know how to write recipes pretty well where I can hand it off to my sous chef at the restaurant and then 
they'll go through the recipe and then recreate it from my recipe to see how it turns out in the kitchen. And then then that's when I come in and we taste it together and we say, okay, this is what needs to change. How will this work on the line? Where can we source these ingredients? Um, and then once everything gets uh, goes through this process, then it gets on the menu. So I don't have to work in the ki- restaurant kitchens day in and day out, fortunately, anymore. But we're about to move the Blind Goat, my first restaurant, into its own brick and mortar. So once we open that one, I will be at the restaurant every day. Uh, so I'm just trying to take care of myself and do that self-care before that happens in the fall. <laughs> so we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad, they're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I know. visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting-edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. OneSkin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Okay, we're back. I heard you mention knives. And we had a question that I actually think would be very helpful, selfishly for me, but probably for everyone listening. What are three tools that you recommend everyone have in their kitchen? And do you want the knife to be part of this answer? Because I feel like a lot of a lot of people will always say like a good chef's knife, or you know, so I feel like that may not be helpful. You're right. That that is what everybody does say. And, yeah. and how about this? Do we really need a good chef's knife? Like, is that true, comma, chef, question mark? Like, do you think that? <laughs> I do think so. Okay. Uh, I think it, it. the style of chef's knife can be different. Like, it can be um, 
a Santoku knife. It could be a French chef's knife. I personally use like the classic French chef's knife where the blade is curved. Uh, but I think everyone does need a chef's knife. Um, I think you need, uh, this is not something you need, need, but when people say like, what's a kitchen tool you can't live without, this is something not a lot of people necessarily have or use. And so when I say it, it actually, uh, I think lights a light bulb in their head. It's called a bench scraper. Do either of you know what a bench scraper is or a dough cutter? Yes, but take it away because I do feel like this is like an unsung hero of the, yes. of the kitchen items. Yes. So the bench scraper is um, this tool that uh, many pastry chefs use. It's also called a dough cutter. Um, it's kind of like a dull blade with like a handle on it. And it's like a rectangular shape. And uh, people use it to either scrape all the ingredients off the counter, uh, especially like as a pastry chef, if you're rolling dough on the counter and then you know dough gets sticky onto the counter and you want to clean it up you use this tool called a bench scraper to scrape up your bent your workbench and then gets all the dough off you can use it to clean all the sugar that you spilled off your uh, on your counter um people also use the the blade to cut the dough into different pieces if they're making like multiple loaves of bread from one big uh, batch of dough i use it especially because I'm visually impaired. So when I cut things on a cutting board, ingredients will fall off my cutting board, they'll move to parts of the cutting board that I don't know. So for me, the bench scraper helps me gather all of the ingredients together and um, scoop it up and easily dump it into a bowl or into the pot quickly. So for me, I think I agree, it's an unsung hero of the kitchen, the bench scraper It's not an expensive item. I think you can get it online for like, six dollars for you know an inexpensive one and i use it almost every single time i cook so that's one two uh i would say a microplane is useful um so that's kind of like a grater a very fine grater and i actually used this for the first time when i was on master chef and i didn't know what it was i was like what is a microplane that sounds very scientific but it's basically a very fine grater and so you can use it to zest lemon uh, peel you can use it to Ooh. grate garlic or ginger into very very small um pieces so that you don't get big chunks of of these ingredients when you cook the dish or when you eat it at the end so i would say a microplane is also very useful we also use it to um in our house to grate parmesan cheese so that it becomes like the very fine shavings of parm and it's almost like a cloud um, that's why my husband loves yes. his parm cheese. Like he likes it super fluffy and light. Um, so the microplane will help you do that with uh, a block of cheese. So that's two things. A third thing. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, this sounds also underrated, but tons of kitchen rags. Um, I think it's just, mm. you know, instead of using like a bunch of paper towels to clean up or, or wipe down I mean, I guess when you're plating at home, you don't care so much maybe of how a bowl looks. But with now with social media, like a lot of people Instagram what they're cooking, you know, using paper towels to wipe down the sides of their bowls to to clean it up or whatever. But I have a huge pile of kitchen rags so that we're not always killing the earth when you're trying to clean up the kitchen. You can reuse it. And then uh, I just always grab it, whether I wet one to put under my cutting board so that it doesn't slip when I'm I'm using it and cutting on chopping on top or I have another one to dry my hands every time I wash my hands or to just grab a hot uh, pan handle or and then at the end to wipe down the counters and clean the counters and and all in the sink and stuff. So 
I would say I probably have in total maybe like 15 or 20 kitchen rags. And so, you know, depending on how much you cook and how many you use, you can go through those quite quickly. So I would say kitchen rags that soak up liquid. Smart. And also, I never thought about using the microplane for Parmesan cheese. I know that made me hungry. Yeah. I love that. You should definitely try it if you like that fluffy parm. And it just feels so nice to like, yeah. And and it kind of, then the cheese starts just melting in your mouth when you do eat it. If you use that as a garnish on a dish. Yeah, I love that. Um, You mentioned already the, kind of the first um, Vietnamese dish that you made that you chose because it seems so easy, but I'm wondering what is your favorite Vietnamese dish? Ooh, that is a very tough one. That's almost like when people ask me to choose my favorite dish on my restaurant menus, I'm like, you're like asking me to pick the favorite child. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Don't hate me for this, but I'm going to answer with a few. So it really does depend on my mood. So I would say um, if I'm feeling sick or under the weather or maybe had a little bit too much alcohol to drink the night before, oh. usually a noodle soup is good the next day. Um, I love pho for its simplicity and kind of its uh, very comfort, simple flavor. I mean, it's simple, but yet complex. Simple meaning like um, it just doesn't have like a ton of spice in it and uh, meaning heat, like not chilies, but there is like spice, like star anise and and, um, cloves and stuff. But that's, you know, kind of expected the, the, the quintessential national dish of Vietnam. But I love like other noodle soups, Vietnamese noodle soups too. One of my favorites is called Boon Bo Hue, which is from the central region of Vietnam. So it's a little bit spicier because that region tends to uh, add more chilies and, and heat to their food. But that's a noodle soup that's made from both beef and pork bones. And there's an addition of lemongrass. Uh, and so I just love that dish too. So I would say noodle soups, like either Boon Bo Hue or Pho is my favorite. I love tikha, which is a braised pork belly dish that I actually cooked in the finale of MasterChef as mm-hmm. a dedication to my mom because it's a very, very humble, inexpensive dish to cook. And it was something she cooked quite often while I was growing up uh, since it used cheap ingredients and it didn't use a lot of ingredients. And it was something that you could cook in batch and then freeze some of it or, or refrigerate a bunch of it and it still tastes even better the next day because it's a braised dish. So that one I love um, for the comfort that it brings and just the nostalgia that I have from that dish. So that's one of my other favorite Vietnamese uh, dishes because it's easy to make, not a lot of ingredients, um, and it's just simple, homey food. And so um, I wanted to share that with the judges in the finale. And and that recipe also made it into my cookbook recipes for my home kitchen. And so when people ask like, what's one of the first recipes I should cook from your cookbook? Sometimes I name that one um, just because it is simple. Um, yeah, I would probably say like off the top of my head, those are, oh, I can't forget Vietnamese egg rolls um, or fried spring rolls. That's definitely mm. one of my favorite ever since I was a young kid because they're just so easy to eat like finger foods. My mom would make them for special occasions like my birthday party or international festival at school. So they're, you know, she would only make them for special occasions because they can be tedious. Uh, and I still love them to this day. I can never eat just one. They're served at both of my restaurants. Um, and they're just really simple. Like 
finger food, really well balanced. You get the crisp on the outside, like the sweet, salty umami on the inside from like the shrimp and the pork and all the alliums in there. So that is one of my favorite foods um, of all time, not just Vietnamese foods. I love that you made the pork belly as an homage to your mom. And I, I lost my mom in my 20s. And I was just wondering if cooking is a way to connect to your mom and the food that she made. Was that part of grieving for you? Did it help move through grief? Was that at all connected? Yes. I I never thought of it as a process of grieving because I didn't teach myself to cook until several years after I'd lost her. But yeah. I knew I know that it took me a long time to process I think the loss of my mo- of my mom or of a parent because I think when you're a teenager you don't or as a child you don't expect to lose a parent. Um you don't think of it as something that happens until you're middle-aged or older. Uh, and so I didn't really know how to process losing my mom. And then I did start cooking because first, you know, I missed her cooking. And then secondly, I started feeling like it was a way for me to connect with her spiritually in the kitchen. And it, you know, it sounds kind of hokey or like, I don't know, but it is, it is so true. It's like when I feel like a lot of her dishes have been ones that I've been chasing all of my life, even though I'm, a good cook now, I feel like some of my dishes still don't taste the way hers do. And constantly chasing the memory of the dishes that she cooked for me and my dad. And so for me cooking, when I cook Vietnamese food, or when I cook certain foods that remind me of my childhood, it's very much a way for me to keep the memories of my mom alive. I love that so much. This is a this is a big leap of conversation topics, but I am actually very curious because I took a cooking class this weekend and I was admiring our teacher's shoes. And I was wondering if you have any comfortable shoe recommendations for those of us who are standing all day in a kitchen or those of us who just stand a lot or just want something comfortable on our feet. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing fancy, but I and, and chefs all have their different um I think there are answers to this. Like I personally, if I had to be in the kitchen all day, I personally just wear Crocs. Um, the kitchen safe ones where there's not the ones with the holes in it where you can put the gibbets or gibbets or whatever they're called, but you know, the ones that cover your foot and they're like rubber, they're non-slip. And I think if you spill hot oil on it, your feet will be okay. So there's arch support in there. Um, you know, I, I usually that's what I would wear if I had to be on my feet all day is just a simple pair of croc clogs, nothing fancy. I mean, I love a croc. I was just going to say, crocs. Kate, <laughs> do I know. you feel validated? <laughs> I didn't even have to ask. I should have known it would have been <sighs> the perfect shoe, the croc. It's really the best. Um, I have a, I have a master chef question. What is something that people who watch the show might not know about um, the contestants or the judges experience that you can talk about. Uh, Gordon Ramsay smells really good. I Ooh. heard that he wears oh. Creed Aventus cologne, I think, which I looked up and apparently it's so expensive. So I'm not surprised, but I remember telling him one time and I was like, Gordon, what cologne do you wear? And he was like, it's a secret, but he whispered in my ear and it was a name I'd never heard of before. So I couldn't remember, but I think he did reveal it in an interview 
Um, so Gordon's, he's always very sharp. Um, he's, he's actually, um, it says even wilder things when the cameras aren't rolling. So people are always like, is he really oh. like that when the cameras aren't, you know, like, is he just like that for TV? And I'm sure yes, but I think a lot of his natural personality, that's what makes him so good for television is that he has so much energy. He has so much charisma. He is really funny. But when the cameras aren't rolling, he probably says things that are even crazier than stuff that gets edited on the, onto the TV. So um, I think Gordon is, is really great. He's always honest. Um, we'll tell it like it is. You definitely have to have thick skin to learn from him. Um, something else that people may not know. So the seasons are a little bit different now with MasterChef, but during my season three, which was a long time ago, we actually, one one hour episode actually took two full days to film. Um, so if, if anyone remembers from my season, each episode was two challenges in one episode. So each challenge was a full day of filming. Uh, I know that nowadays, this current season that's airing, uh, it's only one challenge per episode. So I think they're just doing like one challenge per filming day. But it is quite long. Um, so I, I remember we would probably film like anywhere between eight to 16 hours a day. Um, <sighs> and so it's, and then it got, all gets condensed down into like, you know, a 30 to 60 minute segment on an episode. So um, yeah, that's, uh, I guess, a little bit of behind the scenes talk. <laughs> well, before we wrap, Christine, um, do you have a skincare routine that you could share with us? <laughs> uh, sure. Um, I find myself the older I get, I just feel like I can't be bothered anymore. And part of it, I'm sure all of us feel with this, the pandemic that we've lived through in the last like couple years where now we've all just like wearing yoga pants or sweatpants with elastic waistbands and sports bras and, and flat mm-hmm. shoes or Crocs or whatnot. So my skincare routine, I've also felt like I, I'm not that I can't be bothered, but I like to keep it simple. So I've been diagnosed with rosacea. Uh, so I sometimes have to use like prescription rosacea medicine, but I find that my skin will get inflamed if I'm very tired or stressed, if I don't get enough sleep, uh, if I drink too much alcohol, uh, if I'm not eating super clean. And I don't necessarily believe like I have to eat super clean every day because I think in my industry, like to be a chef, I have to try everything. Um, so it, it's really about, I think, everything in moderation and, and um, setting boundaries. But mm. for me, I do like to keep it simple. I just use Cetaphil uh, skin wash in the morning and at night in the shower. Um, I'll use a toner. And, and I'm not like loyal to one brand toner. I like to try different things. Um, then I'll use uh, a serum. Um, so sometimes it might be uh, retinol. Sometimes it might be vitamin A. Sometimes it just kind of depends on what, you know, what season it is or how my skin's feeling. I'll use a little bit of eye cream, but not all the time. And then a moisturizer. Um, that's my night routine. In the morning, I just do the face wash with the Cetaphil. And then uh, I just slap on some SPF and moisturizer. SPF, very important. Truly. Yes. That is the hero of all skincare routines, I think. 
Um, well, Christine, this has been so delightful to get to talk to you. Um, where can our listeners find you? Where can they buy your cookbook? Where can they eat your food? Mm. Tell us all the things. Sure. Um, I am very active on my social media and online. So I have a website. You can go to christinehaw.com. There you can get in touch with myself or my team, learn a little bit about me. I'm on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All those handles are The Blind Cook. Uh, My two restaurants are in Houston, Texas for now. Uh, The first one's called The Blind Goat. Uh, People always ask like how you came up with that name. And it's um, because I'm known as the blind cook and goat is actually my, the year I was born. So that's my Eastern astrological sign. Ah, uh, so, so I cool. was, but someone else has pointed out like goat also stands for greatest of all time. So I yeah. thought that was kind of funny and I was like, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then my second restaurant is called Sin Chow, which means hello in Vietnamese. And, uh, I named that, um, just because we we want to say hello to everyone in the community and be a neighborhood restaurant. Uh, and so those are my two restaurants. They're also on social media. Um, yeah, so I'm around. You can find me online. <laughs> Thank you Amazing. so much, Christine. This was really, really so great to get to talk to you. You're very welcome. <sighs> Dory. I, I, am, I am actually like so eager to oh i've never been to houston first of all oh you haven't it's a great town no i (laughs) i say i say this like i've been to houston a a bunch i know when When have you been to houston well you know one of my best friends from college who i've mentioned on this podcast before because she's my fancy friend elena is from houston and she is like a very proud houstonian and so i have visited with her before and so she's shown me the city and it's a great place i mean it's the home of beyonce um i know i know and yeah it's just it's supposed to be a very cool city i i don't think i would go there in the summer because it seems like it's very hot and humid but we need a more temperate time of year perhaps we could go make a little pilgrimage to her restaurants other restaurants See some Forever 35 listeners. Campaign for Beto. I mean, we can do it all. We can do so many things. Um, Visit your sister. Most importantly, obviously, visit Karen. Yeah, I mean, she's like a... I think think she's like a four-hour drive from Houston, but definitely closer. Like, Texas is so big. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. Have you ever been to Marfa? I have not been to Marfa. I've never been to West Texas. I, I've never either, but people sure do love to put Marfa on Instagram. Okay, so Austin is actually a little less than th- a three-hour drive, so not too bad. Okay, well, we'll do this after our pasta making class and before our trip to okay. Italy. We'll do a Texas right, road trip. I would love, I would love to do that. I, 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 Texas is a very unique state. You know, I'm looking at this map of Texas, and I'm realizing I had no idea where Waco was. In Texas. But Where now is I it? do. It is between Austin and Dallas. I'll be honest. I don't think I knew that either. And I, I, something I need to just confess right now is that sometimes my like state-specific geography is pretty lacking. I mean, look, I get it. I also, happen to Corpus again, Christi. Texas, Texas is enormous. <laughs> 
So it's a very, I mean, I haven't even been to many places here in my own state of California. I haven't been to Santa yeah. Cruz. I mean, I've got a lot to do here, but yeah, Texas is. I've only, well, tech, I've only been to Austin. I've never been anywhere else in Texas. Okay. See, I have been so. to Austin, Dallas, Houston, Corpus Christi. Oh my gosh. I think that's it. I mean, you are like a, yeah, I've been, I've been around Texas pro. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but <sighs> all right. Do Okay. Okay. We really uh, went off Kate, there. Mm-hmm. we really did. Did you do adult naps? Yeah, I'm doing, I haven't been super consistent about it. Actually, I think in our interview with Christine, my alarm to go do my adult nap kept going off by accident. You may hear that oh, in this interview. So funny. Because I set an, I set a reminder for 1 p.m. just to remind myself to go do it. And then of course it goes off at inopportune times, but I have been doing it. I haven't done it every day. I did do it yesterday. You know what? I, the other day I was exhausted. I mean, truly, I thought I was going to need to take an afternoon nap. And I went and did my five minute lay down with my feet up on the couch and an eye pillow on my eyes. And I use insight timer. And I felt so much better after that. It it kind of shook me in a way where I don't think I realized, excuse me, I don't think I realized how much something so small could make such a big impact. So I really, it's definitely, I'm trying to continue to be consistent with it because it really makes a difference. And yeah. Uh, And then this week, I am going to put together a reading list of books about ADHD. I've already People have sent in recommendations, which I would love to share in our future episode. There's been some sharing in the Forever 35 ADHD Facebook group, which has really been a safe space for me. So thank you to everybody there. And I've put a bunch of books on reserve at the library. And I also read a book that I was sent called Divergent Mind, Thriving in a World that Wasn't Designed for You. And it's about neurotypical um, folks. and it was it was really illuminating. It's really interesting. Wow. And it also okay. I think is important for me to read about other forms of neurodiversity other than just mm. ADHD. So that was mm. also really interesting. So that is very cool. It, that's going to be probably an ongoing life project, but I'm excited to dig in. And thank you to everybody who's been so like generous with information. I know there are a lot of you out there. I love that. How about you? Did you get cute gym clothes? Okay. I did. (laughs) I, so Athleta, God bless them. They have sports bras for D and double D boobs. And they're cute. And I got one of their conscious crop uh, sports sports bras. So it's sort of, it's like a it's a it's a bra, but it, it's a little longer, but it's like fitted. And I got matching leggings. Okay. I like where this is going. Very Gen Z outfit. Very cute. Very Gen Z outfit. And I wore it. I wore it to the gym. And then yesterday. I did a Pilates class in my Athleta 
I have one of their long line bras, which I also really like and also comes in D and double D. Um, and it's just, it like comes down a little longer than like a regular sports bra. And I, I just wore that with a pair of leggings. I'm into this for you. I'm, I like you embracing your athleisure wear side. But then I, I bought, I tried buying a similar sort of like bra kind of crop toppy thing from Old Navy and they don't have special sizes mm. for D's and double D's. And it just, they, it did not, it did not work with my boobs. Like the, my, the, the one that was like my size, like cut in, <laughs> like my, everything was just like spilling out. And then the next size up was just way too big. So I'm, I, I guess I'm just going to have to stick with brands that do make stuff specific for my breasts. And, you know, it's funny that Old Navy doesn't because I feel like they are very size inclusive, but not breast wise. Yeah, I wonder why that is. I find that this happens a lot in terms of boob sportswear. They don't, a lot of places don't seem to want to go past like medium support or for C's. I'm like, that's totally. not the real world. No, it's like, I mean, with all due respect to people who are a through C cups. Like, I don't think you're in the majority here. <laughs> no. And we are very uncomfortable when we move our bodies. I mean, I have to tell you, it is. Yes. Especially when we're doing physical activity. I mean, God. Yeah. This reminds me, I have a new bra to talk about that I will share for an upcoming episode, but I'm obsessed with this. It's a wireless bra that actually works for my larger chest. Buckle up. It's a hot recommendation. I'm excited. That's um, just so a this teaser. Week, I'm excited. So, Kate, this week I'm I'm kind of in, I have to admit, I'm kind of in a reading rut. So go on. I'm I'm just my my intention this week is to find a book that I that like I'm really into. Is there anything you're in the mood for? Well, I don't want anything too dark. Mm. Um, but I also, yeah, I don't want anything too dark. So, like, some I've there's like there have been a couple things or anything too sad. I just like I'm just not in the mood for that. Like anything too mm -hmm, tragic, mm -hmm. I should say. I'm not in the mood for tragedy. Like there was one book that I started. Um, that like is good and like very, you know, kind of plot driven. So like very readable, but it was just like, it was, it was so tragic, like right off the bat that I was just like, I don't, I, I just don't think I can, I can handle this. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely um, feel that way often. So Yeah. And someone else recommended like another series to me and I tried it and I was just like, I didn't think it was that well written. And so that kind of like took me out of it. So I don't know. I'm in this sort of like, meh. It's like, it's like when you're really hungry, but no type of food appeals to you. Oh, I get this. You're sitting there in front of the fridge. You're hungry. You're looking at all the things. I mean, it's like being in your closet and like, you're like, I bought all these clothes. I liked them at some point, but I don't want to wear totally. a single one of them. Totally. So I, I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like in a rut. So mm. 
I'll get out of it. I know I will, but I've just started a new book. where I'm at right now. So yeah. Well, oh yeah. What'd you start? You. Well, I started a book that comes out in November by Kennedy Ryan before I let go. And so far I'm enjoying it. Ooh. All mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's a, look into that. I, would, I would maybe look into some arcs. We'll talk about this off the air. I have, I have been, I've been, I've really been perusing NetGalley. Mm, yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss this more off, off the okay, air. Okay. Okay. Perfect. All right. Well, well, Kate, this has been a joy. Let's just, uh, let people know that Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrier, and you, Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager and our network partners, ACAST. Bye, everyone. Bye. 